you know, like sure. wet dreams and stuff. Like, you know, if that happened to like, when that happens to an adolescent boy, if they don't know what's going on, that could be mortifying. Oh gosh, yeah. That could be just as mortifying as like, or as traumatizing as like a young girl getting her period and nobody ever told her, you know, that that's going to Yeah, absolutely. Happen. I mean, me growing up, I was... So here's this, yeah, here's this like, you know, 12, 13, 14-year-old kid. He thinks he just right. peed in the bed mm-hmm. and, you know, he feels ashamed. There's shame again. Shame doesn't help anyone. Shame is a burden none of us should carry and, you know, to mitigate any of that, for your child is absolutely yeah well yeah. i'm sorry I no, cut you well, off. i was just gonna say? say that i had the blessing growing up of being well educated by the internet as a young adolescent child about just about everything and my parents even before that i mean before we had before even I, the internet was a thing in our house they had even already broached the topic when i must have been eight or nine and my brother was two or three years younger we had a conversation that very similar to yours began from the like strict biological meat and potatoes. Cause we had a conversation about like, well, what's wrong with the Guinea pig? Why does the Guinea pig need to be fixed? What's wrong with the Guinea pig? And it's like, exactly. Is the right, Guinea exactly. pig broken? Like, <laughs> like, well, not exactly. And it's, yeah. So it was from there, it was kind of like, okay, well, this is a certain model for creation of life in mammals. And, the, exactly like you said, it was like that just kind of spurred different questions for me than it did for my younger brother. And over the you know months and years after that, and then you know the internet busted it wide open. And then by the time we were experiencing any of that, you know, totally informed. But I agree, yeah, it's a place of fear. And if we err on the side of shame as opposed to err on the side of communication, forgiveness, context, yeah, it can be very traumatizing. Yeah. Right. And I mean, I guess. I guess see the, the experience that you had, it seems like your parents like were totally in control of it. And a lot of people, if they refrain from having these conversations, they're, you know, they're just building up this like. Big talk, air quotes, like sit down moment. You know, if you just save it all for one day, it's just going to be awkward for everyone involved. You know, the talk. Who wants to have the talk? You could be having the talk in like an easy, organic way over the span of a child's lifetime, you know? So, I don't know. Now, my littler kid, he's more shy. He doesn't ask as many questions. And so... You know, for for him, I'm thinking about, well, maybe just with the rest of the books that he reads, I'll just slip one of those books in because right. he loves to read, you know. And, you know, the thing with the Internet is, like, there's a lot of educational stuff on the Internet, but you don't really want your kid, like, searching for, like, sex information on the, on the Internet. Like, God knows right. what they're going to get into, you know. So, I mean, that's a whole nother, a whole nother so, topic. Well, yeah, I mean, the but... Internet doesn't have... There is no hard bound. I mean, there's no boundary at all, really, between sex education and sex work. And then, you know, all, all yeah. spider webbing off of both of those. Well, that's a way longer yeah. conversation. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I feel, I don't know. I feel, I feel hopeful 
that you know i've i've created a, an atmosphere where my my children feel like they can approach me now if they have questions about anything issues about anything and they, they don't have to hear in the middle school hallway what their kid friends think is right mm-hmm. you know or what their kid friends learned on the internet or what their kid you know they don't have to like be confused by the myths and the misconceptions or you know the the misogyny that can come from from people learning about sex from television or learning about you know sex and on the wrong website or, or whatever like they they have a, like a healthy idea of 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 what that you know Oh, just the, you know, a healthy foundation of, of, of what's going on. Absolutely. Well, that's something that's totally unique to a yeah. family discussion is that you, as a much older person who is genetically very close to these humans, can be like, hey, there's two perspectives. And in every, for instance, sexual encounter, there's two people coming together, which means that there's two stories, there's two equal parties. And in a world where in movies and TV and in song, just because of the nature of the medium, we're hearing stories told from one point of view, just because, you know, one person is the originator of the idea and writes the, you know, main thing of the story. So like the point of view kind of has to be, but because we're so saturated with this media to the point that there's like more TV and internet, then these organic kind of hard to put your finger on what makes them you know, magical, but it's just something, you know, something in the, in the magic of family and like the connections that you have, but it's like, there's an imbalance there in just like sense of perspective. And I agree. I think that's the, exactly the result is that you can run into these like weird misogynist stories. That's I, I don't know any other, like weird misogynist stories that like pop up from media. And I mean, it's so incredibly, prevalent you know and it's very interesting to me how we'll watch these superhero movies you know we'll watch people rip each other up the children will play these violent video games where they're like you know shooting and and killing other people but we'll cover their eyes when there's like a sex scene right in a movie you know like what message is that like oh i support this 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 violence and it's okay for you to ingest this violence but this is this is not you know you're too little for this it's just i don't know that's so bizarre to me yeah and and i don't even and i mean i guess it's it's kind of like since money fuels the media it goes by whatever the the like world industry is at the time and maybe since the world industry is this like process of like destabilizing governments and causing like very complicated armed conflicts that that's just what's in the zeitgeist, like, that is the ethos, and so that's, like, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. It's just interesting. It's just food for thought. It's like, well, you know, how are we programming our children when we, you know, allow them to take in... I mean, and I'm not... I, I love superhero movies. I love video games. I don't... I, I'm no, not against that stuff at all, but it's it's interesting to me why it's like, why is it okay to consume this? But like, you know, there's like the moment in the movie where like the hero kisses the woman and, you know, it's always, 
it's always usually like that in mainstream movies, but the kids are always like, Ew, oh my God, you know, and they get, they get squirmy over that. But like, you know, watching somebody get shot up to pieces is just like, oh, all right. Like that doesn't make them uncomfortable. You know, I don't know. It's just interesting to me. It's yeah, interesting. interesting. Yeah, because I mean, is that, well, I guess here's a question. Do you feel like when you were their age, for instance, was it the same or different? Uh, okay, so I grew up without Spence, Okay, so this will be a really cool <laughs> study. So yeah, talk about that. I did not, I did not have a television until I was 32 years old. And I mean, I'd been to movies, I've been to other people's houses that had television. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm, you know, technologically uh, aware of things, but I, um, I grew up reading books. I grew up reading books and playing guitar, man. I, uh, so I, I don't know. No, it wasn't, it wasn't the same. Hmm. So, okay. So I guess then when you went over to other people's houses and you saw these images of sex and violence, did you notice that like you were less desensitized to the violence than they were? I think those things impact us maybe more on a subconscious level. So it's not like when your kid is a kid and they're taking in all these things, they're very right. aware oh, of how right, it's right, shaping right. them, you know? Yeah. I mean, they know what they like to see. They know, they know what they like to see. They know what they don't like to see. They know what scares them and they know, you know, what inspires them. But as far as the impact that it has, you know, they don't know. We don't know. You know, we don't know. We, we become more aware of, of, of our programming when we become mature and when we think about, you know, psychology, our own psychology and our own, like, spiritual, like, enlightenment, you know. That's where we start to ask ourselves the big questions right. about what our programming is. But what I, okay, so another thing yeah. that I wanted to share with you is like helping kids understand concepts of uh, like yes, consent. Yes, Okay. And again, I'm not an expert, but this is just something I figured out and it's something that I'm proud to have figured out. But when my kid was a little kid, you can't resist. I, I can't resist tickling my little kid. It's adorable to watch him crack up and it's adorable to watch him squirm. But tickling is one of those things that starts off fun and then it starts very quickly to overwhelm yeah. the nervous system, you know? So you can ask a kid, like, do you want to be tickled? And they're like, yeah, and that's consent. And so you tickle the kid and they're like, oh my God, stop. And then you stop. And then you say to your kid, like, hey, when you stop, I stop. You know, and you teach them like, hey, when people say stop, they mean stop. I'm going to ask permission to do this thing that, you know, maybe feels good. Maybe after I tickle you a little bit, right, you're going right, to change right. your mind about it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but I've, you know, growing up, maybe we've all seen or been in that circumstance where like the creepy uncle wants to tickle you and like doesn't right. stop, you know, like. 
and and it's just one of those things where like yeah I, I thought I wanted this and you know what I mean and and it's making me laugh but now I'm I'm done I'm done with that and the person doing it isn't stopping so for me like that's just such a it's just such a it's just such low hanging fruit it's just so easy it's so easy to make that you know like a metaphor for Absolutely. sexual consent and i'm not trying to sexualize like tickling a child because i'm not a no creep, but i understand but it's like um, the first place where you can like very safely talk about consent in the specific situation of one person touching another yeah exactly and just yeah, yeah no exactly. that's that's gold right there yeah like like and tickling specifically because it it can overwhelm the nervous right. system. You know, it's like at first you're like, oh, my God, this is so funny. And then at a certain point, like something get, you know, you're like, oh, God, I, I need you to stop. You know, like, and so it's it's different than I think that tickling specifically is a lot different than asking a kid if they want to hold your hand because hand holding is probably always going to feel really safe. You know, like if you're trying to get your kid safely across the street or, you know, if your kid wants to sit on your lap, they're going to crawl on your lap. There's so many, um, there's so many really sweet and safe and, uh, you, you know, your pure ways to like be physical. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And t- yeah. So tickling is that one thing. It's that one thing right. where it's like tickling and fighting. Yeah, tickling and fighting. So when the kids fight and one of them says stop, if the other one doesn't stop, oh, man, they get in a world of trouble. They get in a world of trouble not for fighting because they're having fun, like, wrestling each other and stuff. But, like, if one of them's, like, get off me and the other one's, like, still going with the fists and going with, Mm -hmm. like, the noogies and the whatever, I'm, like, that's where, like, mom intervenes, you know? Yeah, tickling and fighting, but... You know, fighting is a little, it's a little different because fighting usually isn't pleasurable. To yeah, play, absolutely. You know? That takes it to a whole different level. But again, the whole, the dynamic of the nervous system being overwhelmed at a certain point is the common thread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for sharing that personal testimony. That's like really, that's the, that's the good stuff. Yeah, well, you know, again, this is all personal testimony for me. I'm not right. Again, no, I'm not no, you know, I'm not no well, expert. Personal journals but, category of podcasts. So that's this is the exact yeah. spot. You know, we're trying to just yeah. uh, just catch a little bit of this stream and just see what's floating around in it. I love it. Yeah, it's just you know, I don't know. It just it's such a universal thing, and it's such a natural thing, and. It can be such a complex thing, but it can also be such an easy thing. So it's something that interests me, and it's something that I feel like I've been pretty successful with. I mean, the verdict is still out. <laughs> the kids are not grown yet. I could, you know, <laughs> there's a chance I could be doing it wrong. You know, there's a chance somebody could, like, listen to what I have to say and be like, oh, my God, she did what? You know, but I don't know. It feels... uh it feels like it comes from a place of like honest intent and like truthfulness, beautiful, like beautiful honesty said. to me, you know. 
Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people find out more about you? About you? About me? Well, just whatever you like. I know you As a person? the studio has just gone online, so people can access that if they if, if studying yoga is their thing, or you know where. Yeah, I know that you're you put yourself into the world by many channels. I know. Maybe I should have one place where I'm like, go check out my jams and my yoga classes and my thoughts and everything, but. I do um, run the yoga studio. I run uh, Searchlight Yoga with a couple other people and play music and just a general personality general in the world. General personality but... in the world and Gainesville celebrity. <laughs> general personality in the world. Beautiful. Yeah, Gainesville person. Well, all right. Do you have uh, any last message that you'd like to leave the world with before we adjourn our first of, I'm sure, many conversations of this kind? Um, uh, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of introverted and I'm <laughs> really surprised I could go this long. I think this is the longest conversation wow. I've had since everything shut down. So I think I'm, I think <laughs> I'm good. I think well, I'm good. good. I mean, that's, and what, <laughs> what better closing statement than we said it all. I love it. I love it. I mean, you know, it's it's a lifelong conversation. But fantastic. Well, I was inspired thanks again. To share. Have a fantastic day. Uh, blessings to you and yours. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Wilson. Have a good one. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me this time? Yeah, I know I can. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, that's so wonderful. It's good to hear your voice. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, let me try to turn my ringer off now and see if I can still hear you. Okay, sure. Because I don't want anybody to call me in the middle of it. Yep, oh, I can yeah. still hear you. I can still hear you. Yep. Fantastic. I just had a bad link, I guess. Yeah, you know, sometimes it happens. I've had weird stuff occur with the connection. I mean, it's, it's the internet. It is, uh, we are... Uh, at the mercy of forces beyond our control. Well, yeah, and everybody. Everybody's <laughs> everybody's swimming the waves of the internet right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Probably more than ever in human history. This is the truth, yeah. Is that you yeah. jamming? That is, that is me, yeah. This is, this is organic, homegrown theme music that is being <laughs> Just a live. spur of the moment. I like the vibes. That's cool. Yeah, it's, you know, it's the same setup as for teaching piano lessons now, for me, yeah. since everything's online. So oh, super you're, cool. Yeah, we're in the virtual classroom. Oh, okay. Alrighty. Like yeah, that. like, like, here, answer a question correctly. What is two plus two? Um, like, 19 or 20, I think. 19? Yeah. <laughs> Discordant note. Oh, Lord, I must have gotten it wrong. Yeah. But what if you got it right? I like it. Yeah. Sounds like a like a home run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a. Yep, yep. There Man, this go. is really so... cool. I've been wanting to. Um, my mom, my mother has had this crazy life, crazy life, and I've been wanting to spend some time interviewing her about. Uh, I mean, if I ever wanted to write a novel about anything, and I, I went to school for writing, but I haven't ever used those skills yet, um, just for marketing the studio or whatever, but uh, if I ever wanted to write a book about anything, man, I'd have everything I need for the wildest freaking novel, and so this might be the good platform. 
Oh, absolutely. And I mean, audio is the way forward, even novels, you know, like I know me personally, I consume more audiobooks, you know, in terms of when I want to read a novel. And I think a lot of people are going that way. So this might be the medium for you to share that story. Yeah, maybe so. I don't know if she, she might be a rambler, though. So I might need to edit down. You want the ramble, though. (laughs) That's what the background music is for, because it's like she trails off and she's like, oh, she's trying to remember a date or something. You're just like, you know. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah, I like that. I guess, you know, just some, some quick editing here and there could be helpful, too. Yeah, well, it depends on your storytelling style, you know. You guys are the are the artists telling the story. So can you edit in this app, or is this it? Is this the podcast right now? This is the podcast right now. I mean, I can edit. I have in emergency situations, but uh-huh. for the most part, I really don't find that I need to. I find that people usually are very proud of what they say, and it just goes straight on. And it's, you know, I'm trying to capture a conversation more than have like a series of sound bites of like question and answer i i see very cool yeah so i usually have people start by just describing their surroundings like where are you calling in from i'm in my living room and i'm surrounded by my potted plants and um uh my beautiful rug that it took me a hot moment to to you know meet the rug of my dreams and my pit bull is sleeping and yeah some nice sunlight in here that sounds so peaceful and nice yeah so there's no guarantee that a parakeet won't shriek or a dog won't bark while we're at it but that's that's where i'm at right now awesome so it's a monday afternoon it sounds like this is a relaxing moment for you what's what's the next moment for you that's going to be exciting well, this is exciting. I'm excited about this. Um, I have a very chill day. I'm um, I'm gonna go deliver. I uh, bought some masks, and I'm gonna go deliver them to a church later. I'm excited about that. That's and, cool. And yeah, a lot of churches are still congregating, and I'm concerned. But um, it's so you're a friend of bring a friend. them churches. You're I'm gonna bring, bring them to the... The, You're gonna bring to the church. You're gonna bring face masks. I'm going to bring face masks to the church. So at least then maybe they can protect some other more vulnerable people. Good. Well, thank goodness. And what, tell me about getting that plan together. Like what made you decide to do that? <laughs> um, it's just a person. It's a person that I, it's an older uh, person that I just care about really deeply. And um, I don't know, just, I just got inspired and concerned. So. Cool. So this was a member of your community that was talking about this, contacted you on some level, and you decided to take action by getting some masks together and bringing them to a local church. Honestly, it's going to be a complete surprise. It's a, it's a, I'm, I'm just going to try, you know, to be anonymous about it and just right. drop them at the door. Yep. That's nice. Yeah. Well, good. I mean, hopefully, and I'm sure lots of people are doing all kinds of random acts of uh, sanitation like that. yeah it is that's kind of like a flash sanitize like an undercover i wonder i wonder in what other ways we can make the world safer in clandestine means (sighs) i mean you know i don't i don't need any um 
what's it called? I don't need any accolades for it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that's the whole idea. Yeah. It's just you so, feel the feeling that you want in your heart, regardless of whether anyone knows it. That's what it is. It would mean a lot to me if I could, if I could just help a couple people. Nice. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So, getting masks where they need to be. What What are your other priorities during this quarantine time? I know you as a as an artist, as a practitioner of yoga, massage therapy, the healing arts. I know you as all these different roles. Mother, you know what What's on your mind? How are you uh, filling your time during the quarantine? Well, one cool thing, one very very cool thing, is I've been playing guitar more. I kind of uh, strayed away from playing guitar and I was doing just more keyboards and, and uh, drum percussion stuff. And um, so, yeah, you know, guitar is the one instrument that I've played for most of my life. And I just, I don't know, I got really distracted by playing dance music and uh, I, I I just wanted that energy and it's just not really my... Uh, it's not my forte. I mean, I, I feel like I wrote some pretty good songs that people really appreciated, but man, I just feel like I can really express myself with guitar. So it's really just like coming home. I also started a little garden. I've been doing more Kung Fu. I've been like stepping up my yoga practice, transitioning my studio to an online platform was more than a full-time endeavor. And, you know, that's like up and running a little bit now. So I'm going to, I have an opportunity this uh, coming month to um, advance my uh, yoga learning. So I'm going to take a distance course and just a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. And, you know, I'm not, I'm just like that. I'm just, I'm a busy body and I'm, I'm a little uh, type A. So that's these things are going to keep me sane. I, 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 you know, there, there are some days where I literally just lay around, trust me. But, um, most days if I just kind of stay with, uh, being positive and doing good things, it, it keeps my brain screwed on straight. So that's nice. That's cool. And it sounds like you're taking a balanced approach to it. You're now, you're producing content for people to consume online and you are expanding your own knowledge and practice online mm-hmm. is that a big change from what you're doing say i don't know two or three months ago well two or three months ago i mean last month i was out in san francisco and i was you know learning from my teacher in a group and it was really beautiful and uh you know i was teaching yoga classes so it was a room full of people moving and breathing together and that kind of uh collective effervescence that happens when we all move together uh so, you know, now it's it's the same. I'm still learning from the same teacher, but it's online. I'm still teaching, but it's online. And, you know, really grateful that we have the technology that, you know, we go through Zoom, the uh, Zoom um, app. So I still get to see my students and they get to see me and we get to connect and 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 talk with each other. So I feel like that's more valuable than um, just recording a video and throwing it online, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's still an interactive medium, even though now it's in the virtual world. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think the interaction is what makes it clutch, you know, it definitely (laughs) gives it gives value to it. And 
we tape out of the studio so people get the feeling that they're going to the studio and you know my kids are with me every other week and I'm I'm homeschooling them so that's a whole new uh Tell and me about you know it's that. well it's not homeschooling like I raised them you know I raised them teaching them to cook and teaching them to build things and teaching them to read and teaching them to learn to use tools and teaching them how to interact with people when they were very, very young, you know, if they wanted, uh, if we were out somewhere, if we were at a bakery and they wanted to get like a a treat, I'd give them $5 and I'd say, go up to the counter, get their attention, tell them what you want, make sure you give them a little extra for a tip, you know, just try to teach them to be independent in the world. But the school board of Alachua County has a specific um, curriculum that they expect the parents to follow. So that's a learning curve for me and for them, but they're bright children. So wow, we have, yeah, we, we have music time. I sit my, uh, my bigger child is really obsessed with playing guitar right now. And my little kid loves to play basketball. So we do drills and we do music and, but man, they've got a whole uh, website of stuff to do like every single day. When you say a whole website of stuff to do, do you feel like you're surprised in any way by the volume or the content now that you're the teacher, essentially, and you have your eyes on this whole process of their whole school day? In a way. Also, um, one of my kids is in elementary school and one of my kids is in middle school. So it's a little overwhelming to teach two grades. So what, what two grades are you teaching, by the way? Um, so my little one is in second and my big kid is in seventh. And, um, yeah, I I follow, I follow the curriculum pretty closely, but again, I, I do add on, I do add on stuff. I don't think it surprises me the amount of work that they expect the children to do. What I'm a little surprised and disappointed by is that the administrators haven't switched the uh, grading to pass fail. Like these kids are still going to be graded on how well they do content. And, you know, um, I am fortunate that I'm like working from home and I can sit with them and help them with their stuff. But I mean, some families don't even have internet. You know what I mean? Like of course. some families, like I, you know, sometimes when I feel like, Oh, my hands are so full. Cause I have, two children who are uh, cooperative and bright, but they have a lot of stuff to do. I'm like, what if I had five children? What if I, uh, you know, what if I wasn't working and I didn't have money? Like, you know, it would be a very different experience. That's what I'm kind of a little surprised and disappointed by is just, I feel like there's got, I mean, there has to be some initiative for parents to continue obviously, you know, uh, schooling their children, but I just feel like there needs to be a little more leeway and a little more sensitivity to how that's uh, graded, you know? Absolutely. And you just informed me of something that I didn't know about and wouldn't have thought to ask about, which is that, like, yeah, you would expect this to go to some, at least temporarily, to a pass-fail system because now these kids are in completely different classrooms. They're in different houses. They're with different teachers. They're with their parents. I mean, my, uh, my 13-year-old is in Cambridge. He's like a gifted child. He's a, ge- he's a genius. He's an actual genius. And, I mean, fortunately, he's, you know, English, great. 
history let's read about it but like trigonometry no i can't right you know that's not my (laughs) that's that's not my thing man so you know fortunately and maybe it's because of their early learning experience or his early learning experience he um you know he's self-motivated and can figure things out Wow. Yeah, absolutely. That's another obstacle that I hadn't thought about is higher level mathematics and things that I know I certainly would not be able to teach to a child right now. Yeah, I know. Right. You just wouldn't even think about that. But but again, I mean, I have a huge community. I have a huge village that helps me with these children, like my best friend, my my sister from another mister who is like their auntie and their godmom. Like she signed them up for like these uh, science boxes that they get in the mail and they do little chemistry projects and engineering projects. And it's just, you know, wow. it's, it's a, it's a, it's yeah, it's a whole new thing. It's a whole new thing. Yeah. How interesting. That's a whole, yeah. I mean, that's like daily life is different. And I wonder, cause I mean, the, For me, the thing I'm trying to wrap my head around is we're developing all these new systems for doing stuff from home and like how much of it is going to stick if and when we go back to like the in-person model of life. Yeah, we have no way of knowing like how things are going to change or how our, you know, economy will be impacted or, you know... I don't, I don't know. Yeah, we just don't even know how long this is going to go on. So there's a lot of unknowns, but hopefully, hopefully, in my heart of hearts, you know, I hope we all learn how important connection is and paying attention and taking time. I hope we don't abandon all the positive things that we could learn, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it almost seems like it's, you know, there's no turning back because I'm sure there's a lot of people who weren't maybe curious about current events or weren't curious about how systems like, you know, institutions such as education, medicine work to now will be curious in some kind of way, seek out some kind of knowledge about those topics and then maybe one day make a difference. And I feel like that's kind of an irrevocable change that, I mean, that's got to happen, right? At least a little bit. I mean, we got to look for the gift, you know, otherwise we're all just going to go nuts. <laughs> you got to look for the gift. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, can you tell me anything about Kung Fu? Yeah, yeah I could tell you a thing or two. Please. I mean, yeah. Well, um, you know, Kung Fu is like a really deep ancient Chinese tradition and uh, it's, it's a stand up combative uh tradition so unlike uh jiu-jitsu is mostly you know floor work the idea is to get somebody on the ground and then they're they're screwed you know and uh kung fu is more of a stand up and pacify that the idea with kung fu is to either um deflect or restrain or basically you want you're gonna stop someone from doing the thing that they're trying to do to harm you either by you know deflecting them restraining them or outright attacking like a counterattack. and um kung fu uh from what i understand basically translates to hard work and it is very hard work it's very hard work i like that 
I'm a beginner. I've been doing kung fu for like 16 years. I'm a beginner. Like, I feel like I'm always going to be a beginner. That's good. I feel like that shows a disciplined practice that you keep the mind of the beginner the whole time. Yeah, I mean, I truly am a beginner too, but um, it's it's a lifelong thing, which is you know it's it's hard to wrap your mind around just. Did you have any specific questions about it? Well, just about your story and how you came into it. I mean, how did you become a practitioner of Kung Fu as a person in the United States? Oh, there's, I mean, we have one of the most amazing teachers right here in town, uh, Sifu Desmond Jackson, and um, he teaches at a Gainesville dojo. And I think one of my friends... I believe it was, I believe it was my friend Neil, who was just like, come check this out one day. And I went and I checked it out and uh, it just feels good. You know, it's very empowering. You'll be confronted with like tasks that you're, you feel fairly confident that you aren't going to be capable of doing. And when you're faced with something that you don't feel that you're capable of doing and then you do it that has like a lasting impact on your psyche it changes your mind and it changes your understanding of what you're actually capable of wow did you have a moment like this with kung fu oh like constantly that's why i keep going i am the worst student of kung (laughs) fu and you know my teacher would argue that there's no worse student of kung fu that everyone goes at their own pace but I've been going off and on for years and years and years and sometimes more off than on. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a slow learner. I'm very strong. I'm very flexible. Um, but I mean, I just, some people go straight through and they, you know, achieve so much in so little time. And, you know, I kind of dip in and out, I'll dip in and then go on tour with my band or I'll dip in and then go have a child or I'll dip in and, you know, get interested in something else, but I, I, I do always come back to it. And so that's why I feel like it's, it's always, you know, it's always going to be a part of my life. Do you feel like you tour as a Kung Fu practitioner? Do you feel like you uh, have children as a Kung Fu practitioner? Does it color your experience? Oh, like how I view sure. life? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. How is it different? Well, like I said before, I mean, you know, we're never quite sure what we're capable of until we're faced with something that we have to overcome, you know? So that's a directly uh, uh, translatable skill. But um, also, I mean, you know, there's just something about learning specific techniques and and practicing those things and there's something really intimate and special and empowering about fighting so i mean if you are used to fighting and you're not afraid to fight uh you you carry that you carry it in your gait you carry it in your attitude you carry it in how you approach the world and uh I, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure of all the ripple effects that that has in every aspect of my life, but, um, 
But beautifully said, I mean, it evokes an image of carrying your body a certain way that now is different now that you have this practice. Oh, sure, sure. I mean, have you ever, like, let yourself get a little bit out of shape and then you go work out and, you know, you go work out and you're, like, you immediately feel taller and, like, more trim and you're, like, whoa, how did this happen? You know, you get these little rewards. You get these – your brain kind of rewards you for, you know, doing a a hard thing and and not dying. So, uh, you know, you get that little kind of endorphin rush when you do those things. And and, uh, so it's it's just kind of that on, like, a broader – scale like you know you get your ass kicked a couple times and you're like wow that wasn't so bad I didn't die or or maybe you like really get one in on somebody and that gives you confidence of like wow I'm applying this technique you know in the right way and so I I feel like I learned something you know absolutely yeah it's a it's a style of learning as well as a style of living and interacting with an opponent or with, oh, yeah, or with yeah, yeah. A, uh, you know, not necessarily a human opponent in front of you, but with some kind of goal, some kind of problem. There's a whole lifestyle to it. There's a whole discipline to it. There's a whole philosophy behind it. And all of it is, um, all of it is applicable to just daily. Same with, same with yoga, mm-hmm. you know, same with yeah. yoga. So you're drawing all this information in from a lot of teachers who are, you know, masters in, different styles and at the same time you have a master student relationship uh, with your kids and so you mentioned before the show uh, topics of like discussing things with your kids um, namely sex reproductive health and yeah this is a show for the whole family and especially for topics to be brought up that can be contextualized instead of uh, awkwardly tabooed and so do you feel like you broach difficult topics with your kids now as a martial arts practitioner in a certain way? Is there like that code of conduct comes into like your family, like ethics system? Well, when you mentioned to me that this podcast was for like adults and, and growing children, it was the first thing that popped up in my mind was to talk about uh birds and the bees you know because it's just um i i've been wanting to talk about this for a minute and i and i you know as far as the whole kung fu thing goes i I don't know i don't know how that infiltrates except for just you know one of the codes of being a martial arts practitioner is being honest and you know being patient so i think there you go yeah yeah so you know of course i'm not a pediatrician and I'm not a psychologist, but I, but I'm a mom and I do have two boys and sex is such a natural thing and it's such a universal thing. And, you know, the way things are marketed to us in this day and age is so like overtly or even like subvertly sexual. It's just, it permeates everything. And, you know, when there's a lack of understanding or a, a, a lack of uh, a lack of space for um, having constructive conversation around that, I don't think that that's helpful for children. I don't think it's helpful for children to go through life and just have to try to figure that stuff out on their own, or worse yet, 
as my uh, older child says to me all the time, when he, he'll ask me if he can watch a show or listen to something, I'm like, I don't think that's quite appropriate for you yet. And he'll always snap back with, well, mom, you just have no idea what I hear about in the middle school hallway. Right. And, you know, so I mean, just because I'm interested in these things and because I'm naturally a researcher and, you know, naturally investigative, like, I figured out some ways to to talk to my kids about these difficult things that felt really organic and good and normal. And I've, I don't know, when you mentioned that to me, I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to, I'm going to share this stuff because it meant a lot to me to figure it out. Awesome. Yes. This sounds really magical. And it sounds like something that will be really genuinely beneficial to lots of people. I'm sure. I love it. So I'm ready to go. You want to hear my thing? I would love to hear your thing. I'm so excited. You introduced it so well, and I'm I'm prepared. Okay. Well, first things first. Um, this this technique that I've come up with, I feel like I'm selling you something. the The way that I approached this, thank God, I figured it out so very early in my first child's life, because. When I grew up, there was so much awkwardness about talking about sexuality or reproduction or love or anything. You know, growing up, I I felt like I I don't think I've ever had a conversation with my mom ever, ever about any. I don't remember any of that stuff. But when children are very young, they're curious. And like I said, you know, sex is such a natural thing. Like, I can... I bet you literally any child is going to ask, well, where did I come from? And the thing about children is that they will ask you these innocent questions in a way that you can answer very innocently. So, well, you came from my belly. Well, how did I get there? You know, they'll, they'll they'll continue the line of questioning. And in my experience, They'll ask questions, and if you just answer them frankly and honestly, they'll stop asking when they've heard enough. And then they'll pick up the thread again. So usually the first question that a small child, because I've actually taught small children too, and, you know, I never really felt like it was my place to teach kids, other people's kids about this stuff. So when little kids were curious when I was teaching preschool and they would ask me stuff about that, I'd always say, you know, you you need to talk to your mom and dad about that. But when my children asked me like, well, you know, where did I come from? Well, you came from my belly. Well, how did I get out? Well, you came out of my vagina. Well, that was enough for them. (laughs) You know, they stopped questioning after that. But then, you know, a couple of weeks later, well, well, how did I get in there? And there, you know, then comes the, well, you know, there's, uh, there's no like, well, when a man and a woman love each other very much, it's just, well, you know, inside like a woman's body is an egg and, you know, a man can put a sperm in there and, and then they stop. That's enough. And then a couple months later, well, how does it get in? You know, they just keep, they keep asking. And I think that our own awkwardness as adults doesn't serve the, the climate of creating a healthy dialogue with children, like our own squeamishness. So if a child asks you a very innocent question and you dodge it, or heaven forbid, if you lie about it, then you just transferred your awkwardness onto Absolutely. them. Absolutely. 
you just, you know, you just made them feel like, you know, everyone's going to react differently about being lied to. Like kids are going to grow up and they're going to be like, well, mom lied to me about Santa Claus, but I got all these presents. Whereas another child might be like, wow, my mom totally lied to me for like the first 13 years of my life. Right. You know like, what, I mean? what else is a lie? Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, that trust is broken. Sure. So when your child is having like a legit problem, you know, in their teenage years, you don't have that established line of communication if uh, some consent was um, some right. consent wasn't, you know, was revoked or, you know, or if, you know, something happened that was scary or if someone is just curious about, you know, what steps to take next with someone mm-hmm. that they have a crush on or, you know, there's no line of communication for that because you messed it up when you told the lie. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And I feel like there should be that line of communication for, I don't know, enough things ideally in a social structure should be not taboo out in the open that like a child can be in this exploratory phase and be asking for help without being shamed. And I wonder if sometimes we wander, yeah, Shame. like I wonder if we wander out yeah. of that. Because it's like, where is where is the, the okay zone for, I feel like it's certainly different yeah. from family to family. It's very, it's different from culture to culture. I feel like it's kind of, it's hard in this time and place to, as a kid, to figure out where that boundary is. Yeah. And, you know, well, about boundaries, you know, I'm, I'm sure, I don't know, I'm not trying to toot my own horn. You know, I have challenges in life, like, but parenting is, is easy for me. And, and it's just one of my gifts. And, you know, I don't know if every child would ask, but I mean, there's gotta be a way. I don't know if every child would ask the right questions that lead you, you know, down that avenue of, of just clearly responding in, in very, you know, frank and, and scientific ways about, you know, what they're asking about. Um, there could be a, a child who asks you like an, a question that you can't answer in an age appropriate way. So there's got to be some way that you can approach that too. Like, well, we'll talk about that when, you know, you're a little bigger, you know, <laughs> I don't know. My kids were always, their questions were always very innocent and I kind of let them lead the convo. And then at a certain point, you know, I'd had this relationship with my older son, you know, his whole life, just, you know, two or three times a year, just, you know, just very easy questions. And, you know, it wasn't always like, I'm not going to say it was always comfortable to answer them. But I just did my best. I just did my best to keep it honest and keep it direct. And, you know, he got it to a certain age where, like, he's going through puberty now. There are things that I, you know, as a woman, I don't know what he's going through. So <clears throat> just to make sure that, you know, we were still, I was still in a place of providing him with stuff he could learn. I asked one of my um, girlfriends who is a sex teacher and, she recommended a book to me. So I bought him the book and he shared a room with his brother at the time. So I said, look, go in my room, lock the door. Your little brother can't come in. Just read this book as long as you want. Chill out with it. If you have any questions, you know, then, then let me know. And, uh, you know, he stayed in there and read that book for a long time. And I mean, there was stuff about, you know, men's body. I don't, I don't know what to tell my kid about. And I'm trying to keep it, you know, 
G-rated here, but just stuff that happens to guys, you know. But uh, I read the book first and made sure. But there was stuff in there that I would have had no idea that it was time for me to talk to him oh, about. Oh, the timing. You know? Yeah. Can you speak to that? Like, what? So you say that yeah. the, essentially the book made a decision about timing when to discuss certain topics that were that hadn't occurred to you. 